Welcome to the Living the Dream podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Welcome to the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast, a show where I interview guests that teach, motivate, and inspire. Today, I am joined by special guest, Jay Gladney. Jay is the founder of G5Financial.com. Jay specializes in helping challenged credit Americans obtain and qualify for low-interest mortgages in 120 days or less. So we're going to be talking all things credit in this episode. Jay, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Why don't you start off by giving everybody a little bit of background about yourself? Okay. Um, Briefly, the way that I got into what I do now is I had started a business in 2012. So it was a group home, uh, group home for adults. Uh, It was going really well. I brought on a partner and we ended up having some disagreements. So it just so happened that I was married at this time, newly married, had a son on the way, and I ended up in court with this business. So I actually ended up losing this business to the person that I brought in. And a couple of years after, I ended up going through a divorce. So it was like everything was just going wrong for me or so that I thought. My credit got trashed in the process of all that. I had a lot of things co-mingled. I didn't have it in the business name like I should have. So it was just a big learning lesson. In the midst of that, I found a credit repair company uh, to try to help me out. They did what they could. And basically they told me, hey, we've done all we can. You need to go figure the rest out. So I just started studying credit repair laws called the FCRA. And I ended up going to an event in Orlando, Florida, which is like the credit repair capital. Uh, which I didn't know at that time. And I just met a lot of people who were professionals. They owned six, seven, and eight-figure companies repairing credit. So I'm just like, wow. And finally, I got back on my feet credit-wise. I ended up cleaning my situation up, getting back into the 700s. Uh, I'm really open about that. And people were like, how did you do it? So I started helping other people. And here we are. I have my own company. Uh, helping people every day with their credit in the same type of situation that I was in. Why don't you kind of hit some highlights on those credit repair laws? Because I interviewed somebody before and didn't know a lot of that stuff existed. So kind of hit some highlights or at least the main stuff that people might need to know that they might not realize when it comes to credit repair. Okay. Well, one thing you should know is that Uh, Two things that people probably don't know is that everything on your report, there are over 300 data points that data furnishers have to adhere to. There there are laws around how everything is reported. So something can be on your report. It can be a collection. It could be a late payment. It can be a charge off. You can owe that. But if it's not reported properly, then you have the right to dispute that. So when you dispute that, if you say, hey, this is not reporting properly, you have rules that you have to abide by because because of the FCRA. And if you're not abiding by that, then you have to remove this. So you still owe that debt, but that debt won't show up on your credit report. So it won't stop you 
from obtaining credit um, in most places. Another thing is that credit works like this. It's really simple. This is the way that I explain it to people. It's just data. So every payment experience is either positive or negative. So a lot of people are caught up with their score. And what I see is a lot of people, you can have a 740 credit score and still get denied for a loan or a credit card. The reason that is, is because a score doesn't matter as much as we've been trained to think that it does. What matters is the amount of positive payment experiences on your report. So I can manipulate it. I can manipulate my score by uh, becoming an authorized user on my mom's credit card or something like that. So my mom is uh, close to 60. So she has credit cards that, I don't know, probably 15, 20 years old, I'm sure. So one of those cards, if I was added as an authorized user, I'd shoot up to a, a 740. So if I was to take that off, then I could drop back into the 600s. So banks aren't stupid. They know about that. So they're looking for primary positive payment experiences. That's what they're looking for. If you have more uh, overwhelming positive payment experiences, then your credit is looked at favorably. You're a low risk of uh, not paying. So that's all it is. It, it, it's just getting positive payment experiences on your report and removing negative payment experiences. So talk about some tips that can help people get their scores up so they can save interest. Cause you know, I know you said that it doesn't, the score is not really what we think it is, but if you do have a higher score, you can save interest. Am I correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. So the score will come. So like I said, if you do the right things, then the score will come. So this is how a FICO score, which is the score that most people are talking about. Because you have the FICO score and then you have a Vantage score. A lot of people get that confused. A lot of credit monitoring companies and even Credit Karma, they use Vantage score. So that's totally different from FICO. Vantage score has six data points and they weigh more on payment history. FICO the overwhelming factor is payment history. So that's 35% of your score. The second most crucial data point is your utilization. So if you have a car with a $10,000 balance, you, you probably want to keep that balance below 10%. Because if you have a, a car with $10,000 on it and you keep it at $8,000, $9,000, then it, it, what it says is that you're, you're, you're stressed financially. So if you keep it under 10% or less in between like one to 9%, then it, it, it's saying that, hey, like I'm, I'm not pressed for money so I can handle credit. And so lenders look at that more favorably. So uh, those are the main things. It's payment history and then it's utilization of whatever credit you do have. You don't want to overdo it. So just because you have credit, don't, don't overextend it. What advice and tips can you give first-time home buyers and tell us how you go about helping credit challenge Americans get mortgage at a low interest in 120 days or less? Okay. So for a first-time home buyer, um, what you want to do is you want to go and pull your credit report. A lot of people don't even know what's on their credit report. So you can go to annualcreditreport.com and get a copy of your credit report. So just go on there and make sure that everything on there belongs to you because you'd be surprised. 
So make sure everything belongs to you. Make sure everything is accurate. So that's the first step. If you do find any discrepancies on there, what you want to do is reach out to uh, whichever bureau that you see that discrepancy on. So the main bureaus are Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion. So if you see a discrepancy with uh, any one of those, you can go ahead and write a letter and say, hey, and it can be in, in you know, layman's language. It doesn't have to be in uh, legalese. You can just say, hey, this, what I'm seeing on my credit report, uh, this is not mine or this is not accurate. Um, I have proof that I paid this. Here's a receipt. And you, you just want to make sure your, your, your credit report is looking as favorable as possible. And then, like I said before, before you go and contact the lender for pre-approval, just get your balances down under 10%. So any revolving uh, credit cards you have, just bring them down below 10% before you even go apply. So that's one of the main things. Another thing that they look at is debt to income ratio. So you want to get your debts as low as possible. That looks favorable and you want to have cash reserves. So if you do those things, if you, if you have, you know, your debt to income, you have some cash reserves and then you have low utilization, um, they'll look at you more favorably and you'll have uh, the better chances of qualifying for more types of loans because there are a lot of loan products out there. Well, speaking of discrepancies, I know I had an issue. I guess that was a guy in the same city name my name and they said I owed a medical bill that I know I didn't owe and I called them Equifax it was and tried to talk to them and they were like well you're gonna pay it you owe it you you just don't want to pay your bills this is your name and I said okay what's the birth date in social security and they told me and I said that's different they're like well you're gonna have to figure it out it's not our problem you're gonna have to prove it what I eventually had to do is actually send them my insurance to tell them there's no way I could have a medical bill like that because me, my kids, we have insurance. And not only that, I have, you know, I have my private insurance and my kids are also on can care and here in the state of Kansas. And once I sent it to them, they finally dropped it, but they were determined to stick me with that. Yeah. So it, it, it's not in the credit bureau's best interest to make sure everything's accurate. So everybody's out for themselves. Um, that they're not looking to make sure that your file is correct. So it's up to us. So, um, like I said, I encourage everybody to just pull your credit report and know what's on there, uh, because things like that happen. What happened to you? And I, I'm sorry that happened to you. But that that's more common than it should be. Where you talk about how you can help credit challenged Americans get a low interest mortgage. Tell us about how you do that, because it's one thing to have good credit and get a low interest, but it's it's another thing to be credit challenged and get a low interest in 120 days or less. Okay. Well, my process is I, I've been doing this for about four years, going on five years. So I pretty much know what to look for. I know what lenders are looking for. So if someone comes to me and... Um, they have a certain type of credit situation that's not too bad. I'll go ahead and challenge any negatives they have. And then I instruct them on which uh, credit products to go ahead and get 
and start making positive payments. So there are a few credit products that I recommend to establish positive payment history. So I'll recommend some of those to the client, uh, whichever one they need. And then, like I said, I challenge whatever negatives they have. So for most people coming in, um, if their situation is not too bad, I can do that within four months. If somebody's situation is uh, it's dire, then I won't, I won't make that claim to them. I'll let them know, hey, your situation is very unique. Um, and it's going to take longer than 120 days. But most people, I can get them in and out in 120 days or less, most, most within 100 days, actually. So it's about challenging the negatives and then recommending any positive, any products that can, they can establish some positive payments with. Well, you and I both know that they don't really teach money correctly in school or with kids growing up. So can you give parents like myself advice and tips on what we should be teaching our kids about money that's not being taught? Yes. So kids are preyed on by banks. And what banks desire to do is to turn you and I and our kids into an asset. So as soon as they get to college or even before they leave high school, sometimes uh, they're contacted by banks with credit cards. And what they're banking on, no pun intended, is that the kids would get these credit cards and they would maintain a balance on them and they would pay interest for life on credit cards. So that's the whole game. They know um, exactly which portion of people will default. They know how many people will carry a balance and pay. They know who will, um, about how many people will keep a balance low. So it's in their best interest to reach out to all of the kids who have no credit and to give them a card. So what we want to teach our kids to do is to not be afraid of credit. So we don't want to teach them that uh, credit cards are a bad thing because that's on one extreme. Credit cards aren't a bad thing. It's just a tool. So we want to teach them that this credit is a tool to help you. And so if you don't have the money to pay this credit card off at the end of the month, then you shouldn't be buying uh, something that you, you, you know, you can't afford. And it's that simple. So a credit card is not free money. It's just a tool. And that that's like the scope that we have to give our children. I know that we live in a cons like hyper consumer con uh, society, but that's the best that we can tell our kids is, hey, you know, buy what you can afford to pay in one month. If not, you don't want to carry a balance for food. You don't want to be paying interest for, uh, you know, food that you ate. That's just not wise because what we want to do is invest in our own assets. We don't want to be an asset for banks. So we want to save our money to invest. So let's talk about, you know, there's like 1% of the people in the world that's rich, but most of us are just trying to make it. Uh, give us some advice about how to close that wealth gap. Okay. So one of the main things is that I just touched on is credit. So wherever you're paying high interest rates, uh, we want to stop doing that as quickly as possible. So if we have high interest credit cards, um, high interest auto loans, high interest mortgage, what we want to do is better our credit situation uh, as quickly as we can and then refinance and get that interest rate down. And then what we want to do is take that money 
and begin to learn and self-educate on investing because like I said, we can't depend on schools to educate us about that. So you got good index funds, but um, there are also a lot of, uh, a lot of other investment opportunities. And, and I don't recommend any because I've been uh, crucified over one uh, <laughs> cryptocurrency uh, back in May. So I don't recommend anything anymore. But uh, that's the main thing is that we, we should stop paying out so much in interest and we should take that money and be able to funnel it into investments of our own. Um, and that's the way that we can get out of being, as most people will end up in retirement, they'll be dependent on the government. And it, it, it's, it's an alarming percentage. So we want to put ourselves in a position to where we can live off of uh, money that we've invested wisely. And the younger you get started, the better. Well, let's talk about business finance. Let's talk about the differences between personal and business finance and give some great tips that you've been given for personal finance with business finance. Okay. So this was one thing I had to learn is that you should, if you have a business that you should have a business credit card. And the reason you want to do that is because a business credit card is treated differently. So I just preached to everybody about having low utilization on personal credit cards. Well, for business credit cards, that doesn't apply. So if you have a business credit card and it has a $10,000 balance, you can keep a $8,000 balance on there and it won't affect you negatively. Why? Because they know you're running a business. So a business is like a, a cheat code or a hack in America because they're, they're, they're taxed favorably by the government. And then also, like I said, with the credit system, it's different. So you can carry high balances and you can take risks and not be penalized like with your personal credit. So that's the advantage of having business credit. So what's a good score you would say for personal credit and what's a good score for business credit that a person needs to strive to have? Okay. So for personal credit, what you want to do is um, you, you'd want your score to be around 720 to 740. Um, 850 is the highest it can go, but that's more like vanity. Um, you don't really get uh, a lower interest rate that it would, it, it wouldn't even be meaningful. If, if you have a 720, 730, 740, that's pretty much prime. Uh, that's, that's pretty much the best you're going to get. With business credit, your paydex score, you want to have it about an 80. So an 80 means that you make on-time payments all the time. 100 is the highest score for business credit score. That means you pay ahead of time. So that's what you should shoot for. A seven, just say a 740 personal credit and an 80 with business credit. Talk about where you see the U.S. economy headed, especially after the pandemic or going through all this stuff that we've been going through for the past 19 months. Okay. Well, I'm a Texas resident, so Texas is like its own country. So I'll exclude Texas from this because Texas, I believe, has like the ninth largest economy. Um, and it's just a state, one state in, an, in, in, in one country. And it's like the ninth largest economy in the world, I believe. I don't know. Where I see the economy going in, let's say, the next two to three years is with all the money that's been printed and the, the dollar being devalued, I 
have recommended certain investments to people to hedge against that. So historically, when a, a currency is deflated, it, 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 it's like a ripple effect. So it leads to hyperinflation. And like, I, I don't want to, I really don't want to recommend any investments, but I, I want everybody to just educate yourself on investments and look at the history of nations and any nation that's taken its currency off of the gold standard, um, inflation always comes. So we've printed a lot of money more than ever in this country um, in the past year and a half, 19 months, like you said. So what's going to come and what has to come is inflation. And so what that means is that basically the dollar is trash. So I was taught to save money, but I just don't agree with that because money is, is it's becoming worthless. So if you can take money or the dollar and convert that into other things, that would be the best thing to do right now. Because the people who aren't doing that are going to be on one side of the wealth gap. And my goal is to close the wealth gap and to educate people on how to use credit and how to invest. But there are some people who, for whatever reason, uh, won't do that. So they're going to be on one extreme of this wealth gap. And then there's going to be the people on the other extreme. So there's only going to be the haves and the have-nots eventually. That's what's going to happen in this country. That's what I believe firmly. So I understand that you don't want to make one specific investment recommendation, but can you give people who might not know about investments, but wants to look into it like investment for dummies? Can you give at least some websites or some resources where they can start checking into investments and making their own decisions? Sure. Uh, one book that I can recommend is Poor Charlie's Almanac, and that's by Charlie Munger. And that's uh, like Warren Buffett's protege. So that's what I recommend to everybody. Poor Charlie's Almanac. As far as investing, I would say it's not a particular website, maybe Kiplinger's. But I would just watch the market. Uh, just take a couple minutes every day and just watch the market and watch the trends. Uh, watch. It, it, there's actually a correlation between the pandemic and Bitcoin. Um, there, there's been a correlation with the pandemic and, and Bitcoin and, and how it's been going up and down. So that's a good thing to look at. Gold and silver. Uh, it's really interesting how they've been moving. Um, so study that. And I, I just always recommend that people study history because the same thing is it, it's cyclical. The markets are cyclical. So the same thing is just happening over and over. Um, if you were around in 2008, you, you saw what happened with real estate. There was a drop. People thought it would, the market would never return, and then it came back. So a lot of things are repeating again. And in times like this, when a lot of people are fearful, it's really a good time to buy. So that's what I recommend to everybody is just to educate yourself enough. Like I said, Poor Charlie's Almanac is a great book to start with because they're like uh, – as far as investors go, uh, they're some of the best, Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett. So that's a great place to start. So tell us about G5Financial.com. Tell us what a person can expect when they use your service. And is your service local or just nation? 
as it nationwide as well? Okay. Well, what a person can expect with my service is I've been intentional about bringing on bilingual staff members. So I'm the only staff member who's not bilingual. So one of the statistics is that 70% of new homes are going to be bought by uh, the Latino demographic in America. So I'm positioning my company to be able to cater to Spanish speaking and English speaking people. So that's one thing uh, that I put into place. Um, another thing is that a lot of people who uh, pay credit repair companies, the number one complaint that they had is they didn't know what was going on while the process was happening. So I have a lot of uh, touch points as far as communication. So I have automation that I've invested in. And then also once a month, um, anybody who's a member or a client can set up a 15 minute call for an update. So I have a software that they can log into and see what's going on real time. But if they just want to hear a voice one time a month, uh, they can do that. So uh, that's the main thing that a person is getting with my service. And then, like I said, I have a guarantee. So I like to manage expectations. I don't say, hey, I can just do a miracle for everybody. Everybody's situation is unique. So if I bring you on as a client, I'm saying, hey, I can get your situation done in 120 days or less. And if I can't, then I'll give you your money back. So um, there's a certain level of confidence that a person can have uh, when they become a client of mine. Do do you and your company have any other upcoming uh, project that you're working on that people need to know about? Yeah, well, the main thing that I'm doing right now is forming partnerships. So I'm always looking for realtors and lenders who have credit challenge leads. Um, So I reach out to about 100 people every day uh, by email or phone. And I'm working with some of the top realtors in America right now. Another thing that I'm doing is uh, one major factor with the wealth gap in this country is the incarceration rate. So I believe there are over one and a half million uh, people who are incarcerated in America. So I reach out to reentry programs and I'm looking to help people who are being reinserted into society that have credit issues. So I donate my services when I can um, to people who are coming back into the community because I know how important credit is for a person who is out here and has been established and life happens to us. Um, So for somebody coming out um, of prison and may have credit issues and employment issues and housing issues, that can be overwhelming. So that's one thing I'm intentional about is just partnering with uh, reentry programs and just helping people to stop the recidivism rate, um, give people a fair shot at making it. Go ahead and throw out your website, your social media contact links. So how people can connect with you and as your service nationwide. So anybody can contact you. Okay. Yeah. So my service is nationwide. The only states I don't handle is Georgia and Idaho. So there's certain laws in each state. Um, and those two states prohibit me from coming in, uh, Georgia, they, you can only do credit repair if you're a not-for-profit or if you, I, I believe you have to be a realtor and, uh, or a broker, and I'm not either. So my site is g5financial.com. It's the letter G, the number five, 
financial.com. And you can find me on Instagram. I'm Credit Cowboy. So I'm stationed in Texas, uh, the great state of Texas, but I do help clients all over Florida, uh, New York, Wisconsin, Illinois, Phoenix. I work with lenders, California, Vegas. So I work with people all over, anywhere the credit system, even Puerto Rico. So uh, like I said, the only states I don't deal with is Georgia and Idaho. But um, yeah, you can find me, Credit Cowboy, on Instagram and g5financial.com is the website. Well, give us your thoughts on bankruptcy. Okay. My personal opinion on bankruptcy. So I share my personal story with you and I, I've been pretty, I've had my back against the wall financially. And I didn't think about bankruptcy. So banks, bankruptcy is, I, I just want people to look at it as a last resort because credit can be repaired. So I'm thinking that people commit, people file for bankruptcy because they have debts that are, um, they, they just got out of hand and, and you know, life happens. So one thing I've seen though is people filing for bankruptcy that shouldn't, and they have debts that aren't even really big enough. And I know everything is perspective, but a bankruptcy is not the end of the world if you have filed bankruptcy. So after two years, uh, the effect of a bankruptcy on your credit, it, it goes down significantly. And then after seven years, I believe chapter 13 falls off. It's 10 years, uh, I believe chapter seven falls off. So what a person can do after filing bankruptcy is just to go ahead and get a secured uh, card like um, Capital One has a great secure card, Discover it. Um, credit builder card. There are a few secured cards I would go ahead and get right away if I filed a bankruptcy and just begin to re rebuild. So you want to keep your balances, like I said, below 10% and uh, just start from there. And eventually after enough positive payment experiences, you'll be able to get unsecured credit again. So bankruptcy is not the end of the world. But like I said, I just want people to keep it, keep everything in perspective. And it's not always the end of the world you know, when you have a, a debt that seems larger than life or you have a situation, I, I would really just talk to some people before filing bankruptcy because, you know, it, it sticks around for so long. So that's my take on it. Got any final thoughts before we close it out? Yeah, I just want to encourage everybody to just to understand that credit is the most powerful tool available to adults in America. So we want to guard that. We want to guard that tool. Um, and we want to make sure that we nurture it and take care of it because uh, leverage is what can get us ahead. So most of us have families. Uh, I have a seven-year-old son. And so I can remember, uh, like I said in my book, you know, having a job and not being able to have a decent vehicle or having a job and not being able to have a decent place to stay. And it was all due to credit. So your life will get better as your credit gets better uh, generally. So um, I just want to encourage people to, to, to get a hold on finances and, and, and not let it be taboo if you grew up in a home and credit wasn't talked about just to talk about it and to learn about it uh, and, make, and make it normal, you know, to talk about. So yeah, check out my book, The Money Book. It's on Amazon. It's only $9.99. And um, it, it, it gives a lot of insight and I share my personal story. I'm an open book. So 
Yeah, I forgot to talk about that book. Tell us about the book real quick and tell us what it's about. And you said it was on Amazon. Yeah. So it's called The Money Book. So some people are in situations where they can't afford my services. So I got a book out there and I give you most of um, my method and it's $9.99. And it's on Amazon. It's called The Money Book, A Brief Guide to Building Personal and Business Credit in Any Economy. And it just breaks down my own story. So you'll see that I'm qualified to talk about what I'm talking about first, because I've been in a situation that's pretty extreme. Most people probably won't have to be in a situation as extreme as me. So like I said, I lost a business and I didn't have a source of income for a, a certain amount of time. And then I went through a divorce two years after that. So that type of situation can, um, everybody can't handle that. And I was able to find my way out. So um, in that book, I go through that and I just showed how I got my credit back into the 700s and um, how my life changed uh, with that. So like I said, it's called The Money Book, A Brief Guide to Building Personal and Business Credit. And it's on Amazon. So, Ladies and gentlemen, the credit cowboy himself, Jay Gladney, G5Financial.com. Jay, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Listeners, please follow, rate, review, share this episode to everyone you know after listening. Android listeners, go to the Google Play Store and download the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast app. Yeehaw. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream.